Blow the horn. Let's go. And everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a so place we play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the play against them. And make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. You know, it is way too derivative to call this a COVID-19 or coronavirus or even a quarantine edition uh, of the podcast. But, you know, kind of with a nod to reality, uh, I just want to call this the Embracing the Community uh, edition of the Alabama football podcast. You got Dave Ryan solo and it is, uh, you know, these are a little bit of strange times. And so, uh, I had been, and I know that we collectively had been looking forward to spring drills and all the news and excitement, uh, that comes out of spring practice. And of course, a day and in, you know, the last content, I made it very clear that, Hey, we've got additional content coming out. And a lot of that was really based on the excitement, enthusiasm, and the looking forward to spring practice. Uh, I had, I had, uh, I enjoy reading those articles every day and sort of the overreactions and the misdirection, the unintentional misdirection that, that you get with some of the articles. And I look forward to putting out a lot of, you know, smaller shows talking about that. And then that just went away. And so here we are in this season where there's not a lot to talk about. And I try to keep up with, you know, what are some of the leading Alabama, you know, football news sites? What are they putting out there? And it's a lot of dreck. It's a lot of, you know, not stuff, uh, not not good stuff. Um, there's there's some, you know, creative. There was a site that did a top 64, sort of a tournament of Saban's, you know, favorite players. I think they were going to do that anyways because everyone does some sort of tournament, you know, bracket style. But everyone's kind of breaking down their favorite games and their favorite players and their favorite, you know, players that wore a certain number and, and stuff like that. And it's fun stuff, but those are off-season topics that you think of like, late July, you know, mid July, you start pulling up those kinds of topics. Here we are in April when we should be in the midst of spring practice and spring drills and all of that stuff. And so here we are. Um, so what we want to do is, is, you know, run through, and I've got about 10 topics that I want to run through, uh, all sort of have, uh, some connection to, uh, Alabama sports, uh, Alabama football. And, uh, let's run through those, see that, see where they take us and go from there. So number one, and on an Alabama football podcast, podcast, uh, we're going to start talking uh, about Alabama basketball. And, and, and it's just, you know, two minutes of just holy wow with Nate Oates and his recruiting. We, we've talked about on this show, on, on this show, and we've talked about, uh, you know, having had the opportunity to meet with the New Mexico State uh, basketball head coach, just, you know, coincidentally, and he had nothing but high praise for Nate Oates. And what we're seeing is we're, we are seeing that this year's team was, and look, I'll be candid. I'm not a super big basketball fan. I'm not watching two or three sec games, you know, you know, on a Tuesday night, you know, like I used to, uh, I don't keep up with the team nearly as closely, uh, as I have in the past. And I will be the first to admit that I will be a bandwagon fan when this thing, uh, sort of turns around and, we're competing uh, at a much higher level. But the good news is I expect that that is going to happen, and I expect that it's going to happen sooner or later. Um, I'm going to draw just a real quick parallel, and if it makes me nuts, then that's okay. But Nate Oates is showing 
me a tenacity that reminds me of Coach Saban. And it's not just his in-game, it's not just his preparation, but it's recruiting. It's in the recruiting trail. That's where Saban especially shines, is in recruiting. This bring in the talent, let's develop and let's put them out, and, and we can win ball games when we have superior superior talent. And that's what we're seeing with, with Nate Oates. Just sort of breaking the last couple of days was the Jordan uh, Bruner, uh, the transfer from Yale, uh, the fact that we're working the transfer porter of the portal. I think there's two or three players that we've brought in through the transfer portal, a couple of JUCOs, uh, a couple of kids who went and got out of uh, Canada. And so the idea is that he's getting players where he can. And it reminds me a little bit of, you know, there used to kind of be, it, it's, it's sort of a dumb question now, right? As fans, we sort of evolve and, and hopefully the media does too. But there also, there, there used to always be this question of, and, and it seemed that it was particularly asked of the Alabama f- coaches, uh, hey, what's your recruiting territory going to be? And everyone wants to you know, hear, oh, we're going to put a fence around Alabama and we're going to get all those players. And that makes everyone feel good and their heart gets warm and stuff like that. And Saban just said, we're going to go where the players are, and <laughs> which is the right best answer, right? I mean, if he's in our neighborhood, let's go get him. If there's another guy that's, a, that's, that's materially better somewhere else, then – Let's go get the better player because at the end of the day, we want to win. You know, when they're wearing the crimson and white and they're out competing on the field and they're winning ball games, you know, we don't we don't necessarily care where where they came from. And Nate, Nate Oates seems to be representing some of that in his recruiting. He's going to get players where they are and bringing them in. He's not, you know, leaving stones unturned. Think about, you know, Saban going to get Jesse Williams or going to get, you know, Jake Coker or, you know, players like that. He – He didn't, you know, he went halfway around the world or, you know, the other side of the world. Uh, He went to, you know, a Florida State grad transfer. You know, we've got, you know, Landon Dickerson on the team now who who sort of followed that path. And so uh, Nate Oates is doing that. And it's going to be exciting to see this basketball team. Uh, I'm not projecting that this next season, but I just that what he's demonstrating is going to pay results. That effort yields results. And so what we're seeing is the leading indicator, and then what we're excited and what we really want is the lag indicator, and that's success uh, success on the court. But it's coming. Uh, topic two, Tua and the NFL draft. You know, I let me, let me just, you know, start this off with obviously there's going to be a little bit of bias. Uh, Tua is going – is you know, there's probably a little bit of recency bias in here as well, right? Where, man, two is my all-time favorite. And I don't know that I literally will say that, but, you know, check in five years and you know, he's he's on the list. By the way, that list is sort of filling up during the, the, the Saban era. There's probably 15 players that are in my top five <laughs> favorites uh, during, uh, during the Saban era, <clears throat> if you will. But Tua will make that list. Uh, so I acknowledge a little bit of bias in that regard. But there's also a reality, and forget forget necessarily Tua. Let's just understand that this is where we are in the NFL calendar, uh, the NFL season calendar, then and the NFL draft calendar leading up to the draft is is what is largely called the line season. And so, what you have is you have representatives from the team, be it a coach, be it a GM, be it an undisclosed source. Right? They really are going to fall into call it three camps. You're going to have one camp that's a, that is essentially saying, Hey, don't draft my guy. And so let me go out and poor mouth a player 
so that it gets in the media and, oh, all of these stories are that he's no good or that he's fragile or that he can't play or he's not going to be able to perform at this level. And what I'm really doing is trying to build a fence around the player that I want. If I can scare everyone off, then he'll be there for me. It's almost like a screenplay, right? Let me go out and block everyone, and I'm going to pitch the guy to the guy that's wide, pitch the ball to the guy that's wide open. He's going to make a big play. It's kind of that. Let me lie about we don't want him, we don't like him, we think he's you know Drek, so that he'll be available for us. There's a second camp, and that's the camp that says, "Hey, we have pick number X." number three, number six, number eight, number four, kind of near the top of the draft. And we're talking about Tua, so near the top of the draft. And I am intentionally going out and saying, we're not sure that that's a player that we were drafted in that position. What we're really saying is we have a big banner over our head that says, come ask us if we'll trade this position. We're in the market to trade the number four pick. And so I'm saying, eh, not so sure about this player. What I'm really saying, the message that I'm conveying is step right up and make me a deal. Uh, that, so that's, that's what that, you know, that's sort of a second uh, audience you have there. And the third is you have teams that are just keeping their mouth shut, uh, which is probably the, you know, I think the best way to play it, but there's merit in the other two as well. Uh, but teams that, I, if I'm just not going to say anything one way or the other, if he's there, yeah, we're probably interested. Or guess what? Maybe I'm not interested, but I'm not going to run somebody down. And so you have a little bit uh, of that as well. So it's it'll be fun to see how it plays out. Just don't get all wrapped up in the media, especially when there's nothing else going on. That is the story, and especially in the state of Alabama with all the, the media outlets they're going to hype that up and they're going to run with it as far as they can because every time they can reinvent or reimagine sort of the same headline, they get a whole bunch of clicks for it. So don't fall into that trap. Don't, you know, don't get sort of wrought up in it so much because there's a reality that's just the nature of what it is right now. Uh, I think what's interesting is uh, the comments that Trent Dilfer says, and I think he might be swinging sort of the other way. But, uh, you know, Trent's, I think, you know, personally probably one of my favorites. Uh, but he's calling to a future Hall of Fame-style uh, quarterback. And so – and I think Tua at his best, if he's – you know, and look, it's okay to say that there's some injury concerns. Uh, we felt that as Alabama fans, right? And so if if he's fully healthy and if he can carry to the NFL what he's done – then, yeah, I think it's reasonable to think that he could play at an extraordinarily uh, high level. And if his career goes, you know, the, the the right duration and the right success along the way, I wouldn't rule it out because as Alabama fans, especially over the last, you know, how far back you want to go, it, it's it, – Tua has been, you know, quite amazing. And so it would be great to see an Alabama quarterback have that level of success uh, in the NFL. So let's move on to number three. This was a sort of a Friday breaking headline. It seemed like uh, the XFL is essentially closing down. This is a non-Alabama topic other than uh, it's a league that gives players an opportunity. Alabama players would have been given an opportunity. Uh, I didn't really get into watching a lot of the XFL, but I know there are likely some Alabama players that uh, that were in there. And uh, had this sort of gone on, uh, there would have been there would have been additional players. So by extension, we'll we'll consider this topic uh, open uh, fair game for us. So let me just say this: there's a couple things, and we'll move on. There's a hell of a lot that I don't know about running 
a football league, right? The cost, uh, it, this is their inaugural season and they had to, you know, shutter the season with, with the COVID-19. Uh, so the costs and the contracts and sort of the out of, out of, you know, unrecoverable, recoverable because there weren't games and TV sort of offsetting the expenses. And so they shuttered, uh, and then now by letting staff go, uh, and such, they're essentially closing the door, uh, or you know, outwardly closing the door. And there's a lot of logic to that, and it, and, and it can make sense, and 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 all of that. I'll say this. I'll say this. If I were a multi-billionaire with with a B, um, I think I'd hang in there. I think I would hang in there for the potential. And if I lost, you know, if I if I had three billion dollars and I was going to lose a billion dollars you know, I would stick in, um, for the potential to rewrite pro football history. I think, I think I would play that long game. Uh, I liked Oliver Luck. I liked some of what I was hearing about the XFL. And so I think I would stay in for the long game. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go in if I weren't playing the long game. And, and this is certainly an unusual, unplanned, unforeseen, uh, you know, set of circumstances. I would roll with it and I would continue forward. But, you know, that's me. That's my two cents on that. All right. Topic four. Let's talk COVID-19 just for a little bit. You know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give you sort of a serious side and then a less serious uh, side, you know, on the serious side. Let's just agree that this 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 situation is officially scary. I mean, there's loss of life. There's loss of employment. Uh, It's a gut punch to the economy. And that's not a comparison, one and more so, or, you know, I'm in one camp versus the other. They're all on the negative side of the ledger. Uh, there seems to be a lot of dis- d- divisiveness in, you know, oh, you're worried about the economy more than you are about the people. You're worried about, you know, something else more than this. You know what? They're all on the negative side of the ledger. And if I wake up one day and one of them bugs me, that doesn't preclude me waking up the next day and, the, and another one bugging me, right? And that can change hour to hour, minute to minute. Uh, not not just day to day. There's a lot of stuff on the negative side of the ledger, uh, however you're viewing this. Uh, and so let's just agree that in in some regards, it's it's a, it's officially scary. Uh, I think there's an opportunity to allow for grace uh, over grief. And so if someone, uh, if you wake up one day and your primary concern is in the stock market, and someone else is having a conversation about they're concerned around people need to quarantine and follow the the, the guidelines and and not you know get together in groups and basically all the things that's opposite of supporting you know the economy getting back in in full flow that it's not an argument right let's you know we're all facing this a little bit differently minute to minute day to day there are different components of this that that strike us in different ways. And so let's have grace that we're all operating on the negative side of the ledger here and not give someone grief because you're on a different part of the negative ledger than I am. You know what? We're all on the negative part side of the ledger. And so let's work, let's work through this together, right? And let's divide and conquer because maybe your focus is going to help us clean up something over here. And my focus is going to help us clean up something else over here, uh, you know, somewhere else. But we're all on the negative side. We all want to get back to the positive side. We're all sort of in this together. I would say that um, we will get out of this. Hundred percent confidence in that. Uh, and some things will get better as a result of this. And that's not a statement of I don't care about the the people that we've lost, uh, and we're going to be better without them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's human nature is such that we grow forward. 
And so we're going to come out of this and it's going to be negative sort of in, in the moment of it. And it's going to be positive as we grow and emerge out of it. And that's just human nature, right? History, history tells us that lesson. My hope is that we net out as a society more nimble and less rigid as a go forward. Uh, I hope that, I hope that that is one of not the only, but one of, uh, the benefits that, uh, that we see on the other side, uh, of these days that we're, that we're in right now. So I'm going to stick topic for COVID-19, but now I'm going to tell you just sort of a less serious, uh, side of it because, you know, we have to have a little bit of humor and, 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 you know, we're human in this as well. It's probably either too soon or too late are too cheesy to talk about how this coronavirus does not compare to the coronavirus that I had in college. That's a whole nother, like I said, cheesy conversation, <laughs> cheesy spin, cheesy joke. Uh, but look, I'll tell you this. I work with a bunch of posers. Uh, and so that's how I'll introduce this. We did a thing. Um, and in fact, just this week, we did a thing where we did, uh, we called it sort of a virtual happy hour, uh, happy hour, it, it's as cheesy as it sounds, uh, but the inten- it was very incredibly well-intentioned and, and it executed very uh, very well. But it was kind of the idea of, hey, everyone is working from home. Everyone's remote. Everyone's separate. Let's have an hour, kind of after hours, you know, bring a cocktail bring, and, and bring a family picture and let's just go around and everyone, you know, sort of introduce your family and, and, um, and I just have a social gathering with people that we can't physically be with that, you know, we do happy hours after work all the time, but let's, let's put a spin on that. Uh, and so was it a little bit cheesy. Yeah, it was a little bit cheesy. Was, was the intention there? Yes, absolutely. And it was executed very well and everyone who participated had a good time. So that, so that's awesome. Steal the idea, run with it, go do it. But here's where everyone's a poser, right? So everyone's been sort of quarantined, working remote, all this kind of stuff. And so I get on, the, uh, and it's a zoom meeting with the, the screen and all that jazz. So I get on there and I have, I don't know, a three, <laughs> a three, uh, a three week old, uh, beard and, and, uh, I'll tell them myself, I probably haven't hadn't showered in a couple of days. Uh, my wife very specifically made me change shirts because I had a dinner stain from two nights ago <laughs> on my shirt and, uh, you know, all just this just real world stuff. Right. And, um, we get on the, um, we get on the zoom and, man, people are fresh shaved and, you know, the, all the ladies have their makeup perfectly done and their hair just right. And, you know, they look like they're dressed for work almost. Uh, and I thought, man, you all, y'all are a bunch of posers. I'm the only one that looks like I've been locked up in my office for, in my home office for three weeks. So I got a kick out of that. So that's my light side of, um, of, uh, sort of our situation. Let's take the COVID topic. Uh, this is topic number five and, uh, let's spin it into impacts to Alabama football. So we're going to do sort of three, uh, COVID topics. We did that one sort of the COVID, the COVID, uh, we're going to do topic five. Here's COVID impacts to Alabama football. And then we're going to talk, uh, COVID impacts to, uh, the season sort of writ large. And so, here's what I would say. We're we'll trying to keep each of these short, but, um, you know, COVID impacts to Alabama football. We've talked about this in different ways, right? But he, and, and I saw this in an article, and, and it was one of the good articles I've probably read over the last couple of weeks. And it talked about, and I'm paraphrasing, but you know, disruption favors the organized. Saban's a pretty organized coach, right? 
we talk about recruiting. We've talked about this on the podcast dating back. It seems like, you know, a number of years, but recruiting, you know, you think about changes to recruiting, who does that benefit? It, it benefits good recruiters, right? You're a good recruiter or you're not. You can't change a rule to make someone a good recruiter who isn't, right? Because recruiting is about interpersonal dynamics. It's about relationship building. And if you suck at building relationships, no rule is going to change that. There's not, there, it's just not going to happen. Right. And so any disruption favors the disorganized. It's a, it's a, it's a variation of the recruiting theme, right? Ch- recruiting rule changers changes are going to always benefit the good recruiters because at the end of the day, you're still recruiting. Uh, and so this, this disruption, if you're, if you're highly organized, then you'll be able to roll with it uh, a lot easier. And then I'll also say that this is the season. Think about staffing, uh, coaching staff turnovers the last couple of years, this is the year to have stability within your coaching staff. And this is, uh, we talked about in our prior show, this is the first year in four or five years that we've got the same two coordinators coming back, that there's only been, you know, one change uh, across the coaching staff. And that was bringing in Freddie, uh, Freddie Roach. And we think that not all change is bad. That's probably that was probably a good change, and then uh, the changes to the strength and conditioning. I think that's going to net out uh, well for us as well. I think that the new guys are already doing things uh, with uh, the players remotely that I don't know we would have had before. And then I, I'm saying this is a little bit of a, a parting shot, uh, but it's certainly it's certainly a really good year not to have a converted strength and conditioning coach trying to become a, a special teams coach. I'll say that. Uh, but for the teams that are bringing in new head coaches and brand new staffs, holy hell, uh, they are at a significant uh, disadvantage. So I think um, it's another it's it's another position where you know Alabama under Saban stacks up well given sort of the environment and uh, situation. And let's talk about season impacts. I'm going to break this down in a way like I did the Golding, the Pete Golding conversation, because this is, a, this is, there's a level of unknown here. There are multiple truths. And so it's the aggregation of these multiple truths that sort of, that that sort of tell us where the trend lines are and they can evolve and change, right? We're doing this February, we're doing this uh, April the 12th. Let's check back, you know, in three weeks and see maybe what's, what's changed. But the multiple truths I think are this as a whole, we want a return to normalcy and sports equals normalcy, right? So that is a truth. Let's not elaborate any further than that. We want normalcy, the return of sports represents a normalcy. The season, as it stands now, is about four and a half months away. And I'm targeting that right at sort of September 1st, right? So the season is four and a half months away. That's a truth. The tail of this COVID-19 situation will not be gone by then. The tail will not be over. We're talking about flattening the curve and heading back down, sort of cresting and, and heading heading back down. We won't be to zero. We won't be to full normal. Normal C and normal are two different things. They're related, but they're different. They're cousins. Uh, the tail of this, we may be returning to some normalcy, but we won't, will not return to normal. 
uh, in that four in that four and a half month uh, window. And 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 another truth is that there's varied impacts regionally. And so the South versus the North versus the West, we all know our regions, right? But, but there's varied impacts across the regions and then states as a result, states may mandate a little bit differently uh, across states. So state guidelines are, are going to vary in different. So those are all truths, right? They, they are, they're inarguable. Um, those are truths. And so what's going to happen with the football season is going to matriculate out of those truths. And so what do we think right now as we sit here in mid-April? What do I think? I think there will be a football season. I do. I do think there will be a football season. It may look differently, but there will be a season. So, all right, let's let's play from there. I think there may be reduced crowds early and and, and including even some games played without uh, a crowd. I think there may still be and maybe that's regional. Maybe California or, uh, or or other states handle it differently. But I do think uh, there may be reduced crowds uh, early on. For some teams, that's <laughs> I'm going to make a joke here, but for some teams, that's easier to accomplish than others, right? When Alabama takes the field, it's going to be a, a full house. When another team takes the field, I'm not trying to call anybody out. When another team takes the field, they'll have – uh, you know, other than just the, the pent up interest in, you know, sports representing normalcy as, as a rule, they don't have as hard of a time, uh, with reduced crowds. Um, I think there may be more regional play <clears throat> and most of that is so most of the discussion we're seeing around that is around play limited to interconference where interconference in regional play are sometimes not the same thing. Um, West Virginia plays in the big, in, in the big 12, you know, <laughs> West Virginia and Waco, Texas are not regional buddies, right? They're just not. Uh, and so when we think about playing uh, regional conferences, the core legacy um conference members, right? Alabama and the Southeastern Conference, right? There are teams that are core to that. Is Missouri regional to the to the to the Southeastern Conference? You could reason no. Is Texas A&M regional to the Southeastern? You could reason no. And so what likely happens is yes, there's there's some limit to interconference play. But the focus is more regional play, and that will take precedent over inter- interconference. What I've he- what I've heard is is you know a proposal that says, hey, everything is going to be played only interconference. There will be no out of conference games, and that's how we're going to regulate this. I don't think that's right. I think it'll be more <clears throat> of a focus on inter regional games, and so does Texas. Does this force Texas and Texas A and M to play? a game that they otherwise wouldn't. And so because they're regional partners as opposed to conference partners. And so I think, I think there's a great, you know, likelihood might we play a Florida state who we otherwise wouldn't have played this year. Yeah. Potentially. So might we play some of our Eastern conference rivals that maybe were cycled out this year because they are regionally significant. Yes, they may. And there may also be games out of conference. We always play a lot of, you know, MTSU. I'll pick on MTSU, right? They are 
out of conference, not on our schedule, but man, they're regional. Uh, Memphis, right? Man, they're regional. And so might there be teams like that, that, that might the schedule look very different in reality versus, you know, what's, what's drawn up today. Absolutely. So I think the, the, the unification, if you will, of schedules will be regional. Is it, you know, Hey, draw a 500 mile circle around your school and build a schedule based off of that. Keep what you keep, what's in place. And then what's outside of that circle, we need to figure it out. I think uh, I think there, you're more likely to see that type of evolution to to the schedule. Playoffs, let's carry that thought forward. Playoffs then start to look like regional champions as opposed to just who's the four best, right? And so you may get you may actually get to a playoff that is regional based, and so. North, South, East, West, right? Who are the who are the regional champs across those four those four air quote divisions, right? Maybe your traditional conference champions championship games, maybe those are regional playoffs. And so, who are, let's say, in the Southeast region, not conference, but region? Who are the who are the top teams? Who are the top two teams? Let's have a air quote conference championship with those two teams. And then the winner goes on to represent that region in the, uh, in the, in the playoffs. Could you see something like that come together? Yes, I think you could. Uh, that that's, uh, that's probably if we were to go right now and if I were asked to sort of draw up a solution, that's, that's the type of thing that, that I would draw up. Now, let me give you another idea that's a little bit counter but I think also has merit. And so you think about wanting a return to normalcy, wanting and, and what sports truly represents in that regard. What about a game that pitted the East and the West? Uh, and, and you were, you were to play that game almost as a, an exhibition, uh, a unification, a, a demonstration of unification, a demonstration uh, an exhibition game. What if you were to take a team from California, say USC, and pit them against a team from uh, the Eastern South, call it an Alabama, and you were to play them in the middle of the country, call it Dallas? Sounds a lot like the kickoff game schedule. What, what if you were to play that, not for any records, not for any marbles, but just as a demonstration of unification, and you played that in an empty stadium? Could something like that happen as a, as a kickoff truly a kickoff to this regional based football season. Could something like that happen? Yes, it could. Um, and so those, those are sort of diametrically opposed ideas, but do they also kind of fit together? I think they do. Uh, I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying when we take the facts and we project out what can happen, it's almost like Sherlock Holmes, right? You know, if you, uh, you know, take all the facts and disprove what you can disprove and whatever's left, however sort of crazy it sounds, must be true. Well, this is kind of like this, right? If you take all the facts and, and, and then you play within the confines of those facts, what do you come up with? That's what I come up with. Um, and again, it's not a prediction. It's just a thought process. It's a, it's a, a thought exercise. We'll call it that. All right, let's move to topic seven. Topic seven, all of the headlines about Saban using email for the first time. I am dumber for having said that out loud. Think of all the thousands of articles 
all the thousands of, of words written about saving being brand new to email. We are collectively dumber for that being a media circle. That is what quarantine gives us. Dumb articles. Let's think about this, right? Coaches as a population, I'm not picking on Saban. I'm saying coaches as a population are masters of dad jokes, right? Oh, I don't know about all those social networks, you know, Snapface and Instabook and sending twits and all of that stuff. That is, that is dad joke central, right? Someone's grandpa 10 years ago said something like that for the first time and it was funny and it was true and it was real. And if they could have, if they could have trademarked that, they'd be bajillionaires, right? Because everyone tries to say it as a joke now and it's tired and it's lame and it's not, and it's not real, right? Especially when you think about coaches. Look, when we think about Coach Saban, his unintentional humor is his best humor. When he talks about tin horns and rat poison, that's where he is on fire. And that is where it's funny and it's insightful. But his intentional humor, and look, it's funny too, but it's dad joke funny. It's it's some variation of, I was at home for one day after my hip surgery and Miss Terry kicked me out of the house and, and I had Miss Terry doing my email and she fired me because there's so much email and ha ha ha, the media laughs and Coach Saban has a personality. It's also just dumb, stupid, and it's not true. Think about Coach Saban, where he has introduced personal personalized smoothies and sleep coaches, and he's he's talked to NASA and mountain climbers about recovery uh, and training. He's building a sports scientist performance and recovery center. He uses the catapult system where he can track steps that players take in practice. He's using Apple Watches so that he can keep track and monitor on his re, you know players in a remote situation. And he wants more out of all of that technology. And he wants more technology to get more out of this, this technology. You're going to tell me that he's new to electronic mail. No, that's bullshit. That's just, there's not a lick of that. That's true. Now, look, I'll say this in his position. Does he have to read his email? Oh, hell no, he doesn't because he can dictate terms that people, you know, talk to him, but does he have an email account and does he use it? Yeah, absolutely. Come on. We're foolish. We're beyond foolish to think that that's not true. And for all of just the hubbub, this last, you know, sort of half week around him being new and introduced, I just, oh, I think I would stick pencils in my eye if I, if I worked for a media outlet and, and that story was assigned to me. Um, not that I, not that I don't have strong feelings about that. All right. So. Uh, I said 10 topics and we've gone through seven of them. Uh, not all sort of football related. We're going to jump right in with the last three topics and we're going, we're going to, you know, we're going to suspend the uncertainty that we've talked about relative to the season. And we're going to jump right in with three truths and these, you know, potentially quick hitters, but these are uh, three truths that will play out this 2020 football season. Let's go. Uh, truth number one, topic number eight, Mac Jones is the starter potentially all season. Mac Jones represents an abundance of riches, uh, at Alabama. We overlapped significantly Jalen 
and uh, and Tua. And then we over overlapped uh, Tua, you know, even leaving early, uh, Tua and Mac Jones. And now we're going to overlap significantly Mac Jones and Bryce Young. And that says nothing of uh, Talia, who potentially is, is quite talented in, in his own right. It's almost like I wish we could space these players a little better, right? Can we give every one of them an unoverlapped three years so that they could all and then and then the new guy comes in and and maybe they overlap and 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 a guy either leaves as a junior because he's that good or someone redshirt freshmen's are freshmen's while someone seniors and then so the the overlap is just enough. It's appropriate overlap, right? So they learn from one another. One backs up the other. Uh, but then they all sort, sort of get a clear runway of play, right? Wouldn't that be great? Well, yes, it would. But it's also, Saban is about, we can do better than that. We can bring in better talent every year and make every position an open competition every year. Uh, are there potentially some incumbents? Yes, but that doesn't mean we're not competing the hell out of everything, right? And so in in that world where we're bringing in those types of guys, that's why you bring in that's that's why you bring in a Bryce Young when you otherwise have two four stars that you brought in as freshmen last year, uh, and you have Mac Jones who you think is is capable of leading the team for you know the next two or three years with uh, within his tenure. You bring in Bry- Bryce Jones and you disrupt the narrative. You disrupt sort of the the slotted sort of path and and you let the competition win it out. And I agree with that. It's sort of you know from a fan perspective, we wish we could see the the distribution, but but from a competition standpoint, which ultimately makes everyone better, I completely agree with it. And I think Mac Jones is going to rise to the rise to the occasion. That's where I'm netting out here. He's gonna he is going to um, thrive, not suffer in this competition. So watch for Mac Jones to have uh, a really good year there. Uh, number two, topic nine, uh, Brian Robinson is going to move to H back. I had, I had read this in a couple places. I'm not claiming to be sort of a, a, a prescient on this, but I really think there's something to him moving to the H back position and the wrinkle that, that, that position that, that will, that will yield. Right. And so that's sort of a hybrid fullback tight end. And we've had players like Miller Forstall, uh, uh, play that position. Uh, uh, Justin Fowler played in that position. He was more of an authentic uh, fullback type player, but he he played in that position, and I thought he really did some cool things uh, out of that position. I think Brian Robinson brings a running back capability to that position, but it's still a hybrid fullback uh, tight end position. And so I think it's a really cool wrinkle because it's not a 21 uh, personnel grouping, you know, with two tight ends and one running back. Nor is it a twelve with two tight or with one tight end and two running backs. It's almost, you know, and and this is derivative, uh, but it's almost like a sixteen and a half, right? Because it's the average of the two, and so he's going to have the opportunity with a running back capability to line up in the backfield, line up as an eye back, line up in the fullback position, which he's done before, split out into an H line up as a tight end and then split out wide as a, as, as a, as a wide receiver even. And so he's going to have a lot of versatility. And, and I think Brian is a, is a player that could, that could execute well. And I think that's a role that we could, that we could create and carve out and enable him to, uh, to perform into. And uh, we may get some additional sort of usage or mileage out of him 
this season if if we can if he can operate in that type of uh, in that type of capacity. So watch out for that for Brian Robinson in the H back position. And then uh, topic 10, uh, three truths. Uh, third uh, is Josh Job is going to start at the corner position and he's going to excel. Look, the old uh, sort of the old adage, and I think it I think it holds true. The greatest improvement that you see uh, within a player is between his sophomore and junior season. That's where you see the most the most improvement. Uh, I think Josh Job is a second or third team all conference next year at the cornerback position. And I want to do uh, an article, or I want an article or a podcast, and really break down uh, sort of the the Rubik's cube that we have in the secondary. But uh, but we have, you know, the two corner positions, and then we have uh, the star position. And I treat I consider them all three corner uh, type position or corner skill set uh, positions. And so when you think about when you think about Patrick Sertain and you think about Josh Joe, when you think about you know Ronald, uh, the um, the the JUCO transfer recruit, uh, I think those are the three players that fit those positions. But then it's who fits which best, and Job is uh, is going to be one of the corner uh, is going to be one of the corner positions, and I think he's going to have a very uh, very successful season. So that's that's it. That's my rundown of the uh, of the top three topics. And I promise, and I know I've made this promise before, but I promise there are additional content. Uh, there's additional contents uh, to come. Uh, we're going to do some written articles. We're going to do some bonus podcasts, and then we'll also do uh, podcasts to the to the larger group as well. Uh, but again, I promise that content is coming. Uh, man, everyone just stay safe, right? And let's flatten this curve. And if that means we have to stay home another week, or if that means we we exercise an extra degree of caution, even if we don't believe in it. Uh, but let's just let's just play along, right? And and if we all do our part, and and look, sometimes it's the simple stuff, right? Let's just stay home and keep things under wraps. Let's flatten this curve so that we can have football this fall, right? And whether you know you believe or don't believe, let's flatten this curve. And uh, and in this play ball, right? That's that's kind of what I would say on that. So, with that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide! Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, coach? Of course. Roll Tide.